And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the captivating Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a comedy installment of the Abbott and Costello Show, going back to 1949. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Janice must correctly answer more true or false questions about Neil Diamond than I. Lisa Wolf Hall is our moderator. Lisa, please say hello to Janice. Hi, Janice. Hi, Janice. Hi. Hey. Glad to have you with us. Yes, I'm happy to be with you, too. This sounds like it might be fun. Oh, it will be. (laughs) So we're going to be talking Neil Diamond. He was born January 24th of 1941, so he's turning 82. And I always was a fan, but once I sort of dug up all these songs and listened to them again, I became even a fan one more time. Mm. So uh, we're going to have a little fun uh, talking about him now, and then next hour we'll actually play some of his music. Janice, do you like Neil Diamond's music? Yes. Okay, good. All right. So, Carl, these are all true or false. Carl, mm-hmm. the first question is for you. All right. Um, Neil Diamond went to high school with Liza Minnelli. They sang together at Brighton Beach High School's Glee Cup. I'll say false. Okay. Oh, I don't. True. <laughs> it's no. false. Oh. Um, but, gone along with Carl. Yeah. Wow. Well, no, not usually. He uh, went to high school with Liza Min- uh, with uh, Barbara Streisand, not Liza Minnelli. Janice, this is for you, I'm afraid. <laughs> It sounded pretty plausible to me. <laughs> Janice. I'm up one. I'm up one. All right. Janice, he wanted to go to MIT and become an engineer. Oh. Should I go with true? I'm going to. I can't say. I'm going to disagree and say false. Well, she didn't say what she was doing. Oh, yet. I don't know. She true or just, false, Janice? She was debating. I still think, well, I can't think forever here. Okay. <laughs> I, let's go. I'll change false. Both okay. of us are saying false. False is correct. Oh, good. He yeah, wanted right. to go good to medical deal. school to become a laboratory biologist. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Carl, hmm. he attended New York. I'm like on a roll here. Yeah, I Like don't... butter. <laughs> I I'm like butter. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're going to have to get you off of your... Uh, My rim shot. Your rim shot there. Carl. <laughs> yeah. He attended New York University on a cross-country scholarship and won the school's 1960 championship team. I'll say true. Oh, I was thinking, I don't So, all right, true. Are you sure? 
<laughs> it is false. It is false. He was on uh, there on a fencing scholarship. Oh. Not okay, cross you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'll bet you he was really on the fence about that. Oh. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a dead face there. Janice, he wrote the song, I'm a Believer, made famous by the Monkees in 1966. True. That is true. That is true. Yeah, and of I knew course, that one. the song became popular in the film. I'm a believer. Shrek. Yeah, Shrek. Yeah, that's Shrek. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl, right. Neil Diamond played the lead in the 1980 film Jazz on a Summer's Day. I just, I don't know, but I'm going to say true. Okay. I never heard of it. I'll say false. Good job. It is false. Oh. It, he, he was uh, the lead in The Jazz Singer. Oh, here's for Carl. Not Jazz on a here's Summer's Day. Here's for Janice. You know, it's funny. You probably never yeah. heard of it because I made it up. Mm. <laughs> We're tied up now. We're tied up. Yeah, this is the final question. Oh, Janice. Oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. Janice, he received yes. a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018. Hmm. Oh, Oh, pressure's on. The pressure's on. The pressure's on. All right. True. <sighs> Must be false. Mm. Okay, true. I'm going to agree, true. It's true. Oh. It's true. Go, Janice. All right, Janice. Well, you did really well. You did great, Janice. I was rooting for you. You know what, Janice? I'm going to send you a four-CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas that I know you're going to really love, okay? Oh, I love Twilight Zone. I'm awesome. catching up on all of them. Uh, Thank you. You're Thank great. You. Call back and play with us again, right? You were terrific. Thank you. Okay, yes, I'll call back again. All right, Janice. <laughs> Bye, Janice. Take care. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. When we come back, it's the Abbott and Costello Show. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. I tell you what. You know what, Lisa? What? Tell, what are you going to tell me? I think Mike had a bubble bath before he came here today. He smells nice. nice. Smells really nice. Do you have a bubble bath, Mike, before of you came? Of course. All right. Yeah, Mike, bubble bath, Costella. I he's think always, he has to relax before yeah, he gets more in the room relaxed. with you. Yeah. You know, you're kind of a lot. <laughs> uh, Mike, bubble bath, uh, Costella over there. And I, I, I was saying it earlier. He doesn't get enough credit for everything he does. He puts this whole... Puts the whole show together before we get here. I mean, Lisa, you work, you work like five, ten minutes a week on it, too. Yeah, it doesn't take me long. Just a few minutes, uh, baby, you know, right before we get here, and I'm good to go. Right. Sometimes she's still doing things when she gets oh, here. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I don't usually start till I get here. So. Right. Yeah. Prepared. Although some of our old the, uh, people who <laughs> we used actually, to work here, we that actually, did used to have I mean, it, here's the thing. In, I, in honesty. I have one rule, okay? It's, it's, it's called preparation. Get it all, have it all ready to go when we get here. We don't have to worry. It's all ready well, to go. Well, the thing is, I have to also send all of my clips to Mike. Right, to so Mike. he has to have a chance to do that. So the last minute kind of thing does not work out for I us. I have <laughs> my notes. Lisa has her materials. Mike has everything. I just want... But we have had people over the years yes. that have that have been a part of the team that they're literally doing... They get to the radio station and then they're preparing their, their segments literally and stuff like that. Literally five minutes before going on and the air. I used, I used to look at Lisa like, Are what? you kidding? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're doing it now. We're on, we have na- nationwide broadcast. You didn't say anything though. Well, 
Nationwide, I would say, I would give you a yeah, look. Yeah, we'd I would look g- at each I'd other. Give a, I'd give Lisa a look like, Lisa, do you Are believe this person crazy? over here is now preparing their segment? We're about to go on the air. She was a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't say who that was. No. But, um, but now we have a very, very pro team here, you know, of uh, Bubble Bath. I gotta give you a nickname. Oh no! <laughs> it's the same team, just less people. Yes, less people. <laughs> That's true. What about does Lisa? Lisa should have a nickname, don't you think, Mike? We gotta come up. I with I thought one. she's the vivacious Lisa. Yeah, she's vivacious, but we gotta come up with a nickname for you, Lisa. Who gets Let to me think, think of about. That Let nickname, me think about Carl. it after Abbott and Costello. Okay. It's time now for Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. They were a comedy team that were together for thirty years. That is a long time to be in partnership. And it started in 1929 on the vaudeville circuit. And, of course, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello became hugely popular in the movies, on radio, and then uh, on television. They made some of the most successful films ever for Universal Pictures. And uh, the radio show lasted till 1949, began in 1938. And their TV show ran from 1952 until 1957. We have a... Radio broadcast now from April 17, 1949. They do a Sam Shovel uh, skit. Very funny. Here's Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure with chuckles with a carload and music by Matty Malnick. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Top of the morning to your faith in me, Gory McCushla, Glockamora, and the House of Murphy to you. Wait a minute, what is all this? You know, this is St. Patrick's Day and I'm celebrating. Well, wait a minute, what are you wearing that is green? Well, that's old solid gold watch you gave me for Christmas. (laughs) Now that you mention that watch, Costello, I bought that in Ireland. I know it, Abbott. Listen to the watch. Well, uh, what do you know? Half past Barry Fitzgerald. <laughs> Cut this out, Costello. Where have you been all afternoon? Well, Abbott, see, I went to a picture show over in Hollywood Boulevard. I saw a wonderful picture called When the Howling Coyotes Meet the Riders of the Purple Sage on a Lone Prairie Under a Texas Moon. What's the picture about? Two jockeys at Santa Anita. <laughs> I met a beautiful blonde in the theater, and I said to her, Miss... You are the epitome of womanhood, and the graceful, flowing lines of your gorgeous figure are the flawless perfection of femininity. <laughs> femininity! I heard it, I heard it. I like the word. Femininity! All right, all right. Said it. Where did you learn so much about women? I read that small print on a corset ad. Corset? <laughs> 
I say, did you take this girl home? Yes, when I was kissing her in the hall, I accidentally stuck my thumb in an electric light socket in the wall. Then what happened? That girl is now a stoplight on the corner of Sunset and La Brea. <laughs> How a girl could ever go out with you? I, with you, a stupid, illiterate, clumsy... Just a minute, Abbott, I'm not stupid. You're not stupid. Oh, no. You can't even recite the alphabet. Yeah, well, listen to this. A, B, C, 1... D-E-F-2, G-H-I-3, J-K-L-4. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you saying the alphabet that way? Because I learned it off a telephone dial. (laughs) Costello, were you born an imbecile? No. What I am today, I owe to my mother. Get him out of here! Cut out that yelling. Cut it out. I love you so, Abby. What's on your mind? (laughs) What's on my mind? Yes. My mother wants to thank you for that St. Patrick's Day present you sent her. She says it's the cutest little washing machine she ever had. Washing machine? Mm. You dummy, that's a mix master. You know, I thought it was funny. Every time she put in a tablecloth, she got back 12 napkins. (laughs) What did you give your mother for St. Patrick's Day, Lou? Well, I gave her that garbage disposal that I want on Stop the Music. You want, you want a garbage disposal on Stop the Music? Yeah, they're wonderful people on our show, Abbott. They not only gave me the garbage disposal, they also gave me a five-year supply of garbage. <laughs> Costello, you, you've got to stop hanging around these quiz shows. You're just wasting your time. No, I am not. Yes, no? you are. I was on a new quiz show last week, and it's a California Frost Warning show. The Frost Warning Show has a quiz show? What's the name of it? Stop the Weather. (laughs) You should have seen the prize they had. 50 tons of star-kissed tuna. A smudge pot for every female member of your family. A thousand sets of general squeegee tires. A pool table for every room in your house. A carload of strong, hot dog food. A package of lifesavers. All the iodine your family can drink for one year. <laughs> your entire house is decorated with flypaper. 500 pounds of coffee from Brazil and a beautiful senorita to have breakfast with you for the rest of your life and serve you the Brazilian coffee. Who won all this? I did, but I had to turn it down. Why? You know I don't drink coffee. I... <laughs> Why? Does coffee keep you awake, Lou? No, but it helps. <laughs> around talking like an idiot. Because idiots go around talking like me. <laughs> well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Remember, I'm working with you. Do you want these people to go out of here thinking that I'm a jerk? Why not? That's the way they came in. <laughs> That's a fine way to talk to me. That's gratitude. After all the things I did for you. What things? Remember the time you got locked in the cellar and couldn't get out? Yes. Who fed and, t- who fed and took care of your dog for three weeks? You did. Who pushed food through a little window to you all the time you were locked in there? You did. And last March, when you disappeared, nobody heard from you. Nobody knew where you were, and nobody had the slightest idea where to locate you. Who finally found you? The man from the income tax. (laughs) I don't blame them for looking for you. I I hope you send in your tax return this year. I certainly did, Abbott. Every American could send in his income tax to Washington. They should do that. It's the patriotic thing to do. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. And besides, they watch you too close. 
I hope you filled out your estimated uh, return for next year. What's that? Well, that's the part of the income tax uh, blank where it says uh, estimated income for 1949. They want you to guess how much you're going to make next year. Oh, sure. I filled that out and I sent it in, but I didn't sign my name to it. Well, you idiot, if you didn't sign it. How will they know who it's from? Abbott, if they want me to guess how much I'm going to make next year, then let them guess who sent it in. <laughs> and if they don't stop raising the income taxes, it's going to break up the whole country. What do you mean? Well, at the last session of Congress, they took a vote, and I'm proud to say that California was voted the state most likely to secede. <laughs> oh, forget about the income tax. You know, today is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day was caused by income tax. What do you mean? Everyone pays their income tax on the 15th of March, don't they? Right. Then two days later, on the 17th of March, people march in parades all over the country. Well, what have people marching on St. Patrick's Day got to do with uh, the income tax? Don't you get it? They have to march. They ain't got enough money left to ride. <laughs> Uncle Louie, Uncle Louie! Hey, Uncle Louie. <laughs> it's Abbott's nephew, folks. Sincerely, it is. What are you so excited about, Norman? Well, I just rushed over here, Uncle Louie, to tell you that they finally caught those two guys. What two guys? The two guys that voted to raise President Truman's salary. <laughs> I gotta set a trap for that. <laughs> There's a smart kid, Abbott. They learned, he, <laughs> he learned to skate before he could walk. Oh, that's silly. How could Norman learn to skate before he could walk? He had to. When he was born, he was so ugly that his folks kept him locked in the icebox. <laughs> you want to be careful what you say about Norman. Remember, he's a pretty tough kid. And he comes from a tough neighborhood. He comes from a tough neighborhood? Yeah. Abbott, the neighborhood I come from in Patterson, New Jersey, was so tough that when I was going to school, if we saw a kid on my block with teeth, we were sure one thing. Uh, what was that? He was either a stranger in the neighborhood or he was wearing upper and lower plates. <laughs> oh, you aren't so tough, Costello. Why, for two cents, I'd punch you in the nose. I beg your pardon? For two cents, I'd punch you in the nose, myself. Oh, yeah? Yes. Go ahead and see what happens. Okay. Well? See what happened? It's bleeding. <laughs> I'm glad I punched you in the nose. You had it coming to you. When I was at your house last night, your brother Pat accused me of stealing a bottle of champagne. You're the most honest man I know. Well, thank you, Costello. Makes my blood boil to hear people talk that way about you. I'll fight anybody to even insinuate that you're dishonest. Gosh, Lou, I'm sorry I punched you in the nose. You're a real pal. Uh, let's have a drink on our friendship, huh? Okay. Well, uh, what will you have? How about opening that bottle of champagne that you stole off my brother? <laughs> Oh, Costello, I, I, I haven't got the champagne. Oh, drank it all up, eh? <laughs> I didn't take the champagne. All your brother Pat has got uh, is circumstantial evidence, Lou. It's no use, Abbott. It's written all over your face. What's written all over my face? I don't know. I can't read. I... <laughs> I'm discussing with you. I'm going to leave you and I'll leave California. I can't stand this weather anyway. Well, Abbott, there's nothing wrong with the weather in California. The California weather is very healthy. It's the people that get sick. <laughs> Lisa's looking at me like, yeah, eh, that joke, not that great. No, not that great. There were some other good ones in For there. For sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't have a home run, hit a home run every time. You could. Just like our show is not great every yes, week. Yes, it is. It's like some weeks what it's... What are you talking about? Some weeks it's great. Some weeks it's... It's extra great. Oh, okay. That's so all. So great is the... Uh, 
the the lo- the lowest. Great is the bottom line. Bottom. That's right. Wrong it's on great the ele- uh, then greater than greatest. It's the lowest rung on the ladder. That's right. It's a rung, right? It you're, is a rung on a ladder. Right? Is it a rung on a ladder? <laughs> Lisa has a very large vocabulary because she has two brains. She well, has two master's degrees. I haven't talked about your two master's degrees right. in quite a while. No, you haven't. I, I can tell that you're Lisa jealous liked, of them. Lisa, oh, I am. Lisa liked school so much and wanted to avoid working so much that she stayed in school till what? Till you're about 48, 50? Uh, well, you? I'm not 48 yet, so that yeah, wouldn't make right. sense. But um, she stayed in school at least till I was, you know, about 12. She was like, "Dad and Mom, listen, <laughs> I'd like to be a student for." Nobody ever complained when I kept going. I'd to like school. to be a student for <laughs> maybe into my 50s or 60s. And now you reap the benefits of that knowledge. Oh, uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Master's degree in. Let me see if I got this right again. Advertising. Yes. And I, I can never remember the second one. Is it teaching? Education. Education. Okay. Okay. Huh, not bad. So I can. Do you hang those? Do you have those things like gold plated somewhere? I don't. They're just where etched are in they? My brain. No, seriously. Where are your degrees? Do you just have them in a drawer somewhere? I have a file. <laughs> like my it has all of my like things. my kindergarten degree. Your what do you call it? My kindergarten degree. <laughs> I have it hanging up. Well, sure, it's a big accomplishment a big, for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, just because I, I was mean, you did it. 19 by the time right. I graduated You did it, so you should be proud, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, we're listening to the Abbott and Costello Show. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, April 17th, 1949. We'll get back to it. Um, they do a sketch, The Case of the Cannibal Who Cooked a Long-Haired Musician. Oh, that's a that's a title. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we're also going to talk about uh, this month in music history, right? We have no right. Sarah Adamson segment this week. That's all right. I'll take she's over at, a little bit. Is she in Sundance? Yes. Okay, she's at Sundance. All righty. We'll get back to Hollywood 360 in just a few minutes, so stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host in total you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month become a classic radio club member at classicradioclub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator log on to classicradioclub.com or call 815-900-7535 that's 815-900-7535 and now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. I was talking to a, um, a listener a little earlier today, and uh, he was saying um, it's too bad that in the Chicago area, only uh, the first four hours are played. He's a Chicagoan. And I said, yeah, we're here. We do five hours. But across the country, we're on a lot of radio stations, and not all of them carry the full five hours. Some only carry three hours or whatever. But... Um, There is a solution. You can receive a podcast sent to you every Monday with the entire five-hour show. 
in brilliant sound with a link that never expires. So you get them every Monday by the afternoon. It's a podcast of the entire five-hour Hollywood 360 show, along with a uh, podcast that Lisa and I co-host called Radio Rarities. And I think this um, this coming Monday, we're playing the audition episode of Alfred Hitchcock's radio series. So we always do something very unique, very interesting. I think the following week, it's about America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes, a radio show about him. So there's always, it's not always mystery. There's always, you know, there's comedy, Western detective. But we, we do, we take a very unique radio show, and Carl Shadow writes all of the dialogue that we that we uh, voice about the show. And um, I think it's great. I love listening to it. I mean, I w- if it wasn't me and you doing it, whoever, someone else, I would still listen. Because, you want to listen to you. Well, no, I, no, I would listen kidding. because it's so interesting to hear all this background about the show, these very unique programs. And um, so we've done like 20-something of them, right, Mike, so far? 28, I think, wow. I've completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike uh, produces it, Lisa and I co-host it, and uh, Carl Shadow writes it. And it's part of the podcast. So when you subscribe at only $5.99 a month, right, so a cup of coffee a month, you get a weekly podcast with five over five hours of material, full five-hour Hollywood 360 show, plus about the 40-plus minute Radio Rarities program emailed to you. Go to Hollywood360radio.com to sign up, Hollywood360radio.com to sign up. But if you want to call tonight, you can call us if you want to sign up for the podcast and leave a message on our 815 number. Either Lisa or I will call you back to sign you up to the podcast or to the Classic Radio Club, 815 All right, let's uh, get back now to the Abbott and Costello Show. Mr. Costello, Mr. Costello, I have a message here for you from your Aunt May. What is it, my good man? Your Aunt May said to tell you that your Uncle Mike swallowed a half dollar and it's stuck in his throat and he's choking to death. And she wants you to come over Sunday and help get it out. Well, if he's choking to death on it, why is she going to wait till Sunday to take it out? Well, she figures she won't need the money till then. If Gabriel Heater is listening in, there's all jokes tonight. That was another one of Abbott's relatives, folks. Hey, Abbott, why don't you go right through with the deal and get your wife on the show? You you mean you'd like to have my wife on the show? I'd welcome her with relish. Why with relish? Because she's got a shape like a hot dog. (laughs) She has not. My wife has a gorgeous figure. Not another one like it. When they made her, they threw them all away. Yes, some guy found it, and he's been making ash cans ever since. Costello, I'll have you know that my wife has been offered a job at Earl Carroll. What's the matter with the scrub woman they got now? I... <laughs> scrub woman? They want her to appear in the finale of the show wearing a bathing suit. And when my wife wears a bathing suit, she attracts plenty of attention. I'll say she does. She was floating on her back in the water at Santa Monica last Sunday and three Catalina flying boats landed on her chest. <laughs> Boys. Well, hello. Oh, hello, Viola Vine. Viola Vine, Lou. 
Gee, Viola, I'm glad you came over tonight. How's about you and I stepping out after the show? You can come with me to the dog show. You're going to the dog show? Yes, and I expect to win a blue ribbon with my setter. Costello, from where I'm standing, you can't miss. <laughs> Did it again. All right, Costello, calm down. She's only fooling. Oh, Lou, don't be so touchy. Well, I you... can't help it. Gee, you're always... Oh, uh, come on, you, you know I'm really crazy about you. Oh, if you... <laughs> yes, I am. And to prove it, I'm going to take you to the opera next week. Now, Monday night, they're playing Hansel and Gretel. Tuesday night, they're having Samson and Delilah. Wednesday night, they're having Tristan and Isolde. What night would you like to go? The night they're having spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> Spaghetti and meatballs. That's the trouble with you. You know nothing about opera, nothing about culture. <laughs> Mr. Abbott is right. You need more culture. You should become literary. But well, gee, I, I always try. <laughs> Look, read good books. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> books are your best friend. Don't lose your place, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you're lonely, pick up a book. When you feel like stepping out at night, don't do it. Pick up a book. When you feel like going out with a girl... Pick up a book. <sighs> well, so long. I've got to go now. I've got a date with Gregory Peck. Uh, Viola Vaughn, after all those things you got through telling me about how wonderful books are, you're going out with a man? Sure, I'm lucky. I never learned to read. <laughs> <laughs> so long, And now the spotlight turns to Howl Winters, our singing star. Here he is with Matty Malnick and his orchestra. Now Clancy was a peaceful man, if you know what I mean. The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene. He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume. But nevertheless, when trouble would press, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy, oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 boom. O'Leary was a fighting man, they all knew he was tough. He strutted round the neighborhood, a shooting off his guff. He picked a fight with Clancy, then and there he sealed his doom. Before you could shout, oh, really look out, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy, oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Mulrooney walked into the bar and ordered up a round. He left his drink to telephone and Clancy drank it down. Mulrooney said, who drunk me drink? I'll lay him in his tomb. Before you could pat the top of your hat, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy. Oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, boom, boom. Houlihan delivered ice to Mrs. Clancy's flat. He'd always linger for a while to talk of this and that. One day he kissed her just as Clancy walked into the room. Before you could say the time of the day, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy! Oh, that Clancy! Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 boom. Clancy lowered the boom.
got a nice voice, that kid? I know all about it. He's going places. I know it. In fact, you just left the building now. <laughs> all right, Costello, come on out of here. Look. Who were you talking to on the phone? My Uncle Mike. Boy, is he in trouble. My Aunt May just threw him out of the house. She'd done a terrible thing. What did he do? Well, you know them two towers they got marked his and hers? Yes. Well, he used hers. I... <laughs> Costello, I'm ashamed of you. How can you come out here in front of intelligent people and make such a statement? You want everybody to think you're a moron? Well, if I didn't, I wouldn't have a tattooed on my arm, would I? <laughs> well, never mind that. Our secretary, Viola Vaughn, has been complaining about you, too. Well, I don't believe it. Viola and I are good neighbors. She lives right next door to me, and we're very friendly. <laughs> Costello, Viola would make a nice wife for you. Our folks are very rich, and you should do all you can to win her. Not me, Abbott. Her family's too snooty. Yesterday, her mother was driving along in a 1949 Hudson, and... Her 1949 Hudson? Why, just last week, she bought a 1948 Hudson. I know, but she had to get rid of it. The ashtrays were full. <laughs> anyway, I don't need to marry no rich girl. I'm making plenty of money in my detective business. Hello. What is your Sam Shovel detective mystery about that? Well, it's a very intriguing case, Abbott. I call it the case of the cannibal who cooked the long-haired musician, or it was his first square meal. <laughs> well, it sounds terrible, but let's do it. Yes, I'm Sam Shovel. Sam Shovel, private detective. He needs help tonight. I just left the locker room of the gym of the YAMCA. I'm walking to my little office. I think I'm being followed. I hear footsteps behind me. I quicken my pace. Whoever is following me has quickened his pace. I decide to dart into the alley. <laughs> A sinister-looking man ducked in the alley with me. I decide to run. Stop, Sam Shovel, stop. Listen, you, what's the idea of following me? Who's following you? When you left the locker room, you buttoned my suspenders to the back of your pants. <laughs> Anything is liable to happen to you in this business. I arrive at my office. The floor is all covered with fallen leaves. There are twigs all over the floor. This is my branch office. <laughs> I remember when I started this business in 1928, I didn't have a penny to my name. My clothes were shabby, my shoes were full of holes. That was in 1928. Then a horrible thing happened. In 1929, the Depression hit me and I lost everything. <laughs> That's long enough. I pick up the phone. Hello? Is Boo there? Boo-hoo. Huh? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Oh, don't cry. Things ain't so bad. <laughs> it's times like this that I wish my pal Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad was here. There's a real cop. When he goes after a crook, he leaves no stone unturned. He never caught anybody, but he's turned over every stone in Los Angeles. <laughs> Abbott is quite a talker. Every time he opens his mouth, he puts his foot in it. One day, while he was sitting with his foot in his mouth, the chief hit him over the head. <laughs> Abbott sat right down and wrote a big song hit, All I Want for Christmas and My Two Front Toes. <laughs> Lieutenant Abbott is used to getting hit on the head. He's got so many stitches in his head that he has to comb his hair with knitting needles. <laughs> Hello, Sam Shovel. It's my pal, Lieutenant Abbott. Sam, you look mighty tired. I am, Lieutenant. <laughs> 
Every day I have all the weight of this office in my lap. You mean you have all the weight of this office on your shoulders? No, my secretary won't sit on my shoulders. <laughs> Besides, I ain't been feeling so good. I got punk toothbrush. No, you mean you got pink toothbrush. No, I mean punk toothbrush. The bristles are all falling out. <laughs> Doc said, Sam, I've been looking for you. Where were you all day? Driving around Beverly Hills. No, oh, I love to uh, drive around Beverly Hills. So do I. You hit a better class of pedestrians up there. You were there on a case, I presume? Yes, a real clever crook. He's the only guy I ever saw who would work both ends against the middle and get away with it. What does he do? Plays the accordion. <laughs> ah, enough of this chit-chat, Sam. You're in plenty of trouble. Uh, you were responsible for sending a machine gun magoon to prison and his mall... Dangerous Dorothy is sworn to get you. Yes, Dangerous Dorothy, the most beautiful gun mall in the racket. Lieutenant, you say that Dorothy was sworn to get me? Yes. Well, I got news for you. She can have me. <laughs> ah, so there you are. Don't move, coppers. These guns are loaded. Damn, it's her. Dangerous Dorothy. Lieutenant Abbott, I'm going to kill you. Please don't kill me, Dorothy. I'm too young to die. I, I beg you. I beg of you on bonded knees. Not bonded knees. You're wrong. That's bended knees. He's right. With all the stuff he guzzles, his knees are bonded. <laughs> please, Dorothy, don't shoot me. Please, please. Lieutenant Abbott, I'm ashamed of you. Groveling on your knees like a sniveling coward. Be like me. I'll tell her a thing or... Sam Shovel, I'm going to kill you, too. <clears throat> now, what were you going to say? Abbott... You're taking up the whole floor. Move over. Give me more room to kneel down. Dorothy, please spare us. We'll do anything to make to make amends. Anything you say. Yes, Dorothy, you shouldn't be mad at me. I think you're beautiful. Come on, let you and me kiss and make up. What do you mean, kiss and make up? We just met. Well, let's kiss and make up for all the time we lost. <laughs> well, I don't know. My boyfriend, Machine Gun Magoon's in prison. I am kind of lonesome. Viola. Why not let Sam cheer you up? He's quite a lover, you know. How good would you say you are, Sam? You know, in my mob, we rate the guys according to the number of girls that are crazy about him. If a guy's got six girls crazy about him, he's called a cannon. Five girls, he's a shotgun. Two girls, he's a revolver. Well, Sam, how do you stack up? Shake hands with a water pistol. <laughs> You're cute <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you could be the guy to take Magoon's place I'm gonna give you a chance Come here What are you gonna do? I'm gonna kiss you a couple of times <laughs> How's uh, that? That's what I call a hydromatic kiss A hydromatic kiss? Yes, she went from first to second without shifting <laughs> Sam, I think you got her Huh? I think you got her, Sam yeah, Play up to her and... And she may not kill us. Dorothy, if I can make you forget Magoon, will you spare our lives? Sam, I'll accept your proposition. If you can give me a kiss that'll make me forget Magoon, I won't shoot you. Uh, and you won't shoot me either. It's a deal. Sam. Sam, I'm the... That's me. Excuse me. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Sam, I'm depending on you. Put everything you got into this kiss. It means our lives. Don't worry, Lieutenant. They don't call me love lips, Sam, for nothing. Come here, Dorothy. Uh, 
Well, Dorothy, what do you think? Ladies and gentlemen... Wait a minute, just a minute. Two shots, please. That's right. <laughs> He's just gonna kill me off alone. He goes with me. Now, <laughs> <Ow>, Viola. <laughs> it says here, two loud shots. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear a detective show next week, tune into the fat man, Ellery Queen, or this is your FBI. Oh, you get out of here, will you? Well, Costello, that was quite an interesting case you did tonight. Would you like to tell the folks what your Sam Shuttle case was for uh, case for next week is about? He really I got you, didn't right he? <laughs> I like to tell the folks uh, what your Sam Shovel case for next week is about? Yeah, yes, I would. That's fine. <laughs> folks, next week I will do a murder story. I call it the case of the young bride who set fire to her 60-year-old husband's beard, or there's no fuel like an old fuel. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, folks, and our writers are working on it now. Our writing staff is headed by Eddie Foreman, with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragaway, and Len Stern. Our sound men, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> our, our producer is Charles Bender. Be sure to be with us next Thursday. Good night, folks. Good night to everybody in Paris. And good night. Good night. Listen each Thursday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. That's Abbott and Costello from April 17th, 1949. Bought Abbott Lou Costello. And uh, a fun show is heard on ABC. You know, um, around 1947-48, they started every week doing these Sam Shovel detective um, skits. And they were very, very popular. And every week they did a different Sam uh, Shovel sketch, you know, based on Sam Spade, obviously. And um, Costello would play Sam Shovel on this particular episode. He solved the case of the cannibal who cooked a long-haired musician. <laughs> gotcha uh, all right time for this month in music history and we're going back to the 1960s here's a good one i don't know this is the marvelette Oh. Although this song has been covered several times by a lot of famous people, including Carpenters and the Beatles, even as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did Lisa Wolf ever cover it? Unfortunately not. Didn't you sing this once with the Beatles when you were? With yeah, us? when I was touring with Back the Beatles. Back in the day. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'd love to find that version. And I play know. It for it's you. out there somewhere. Somebody fun. has it. Sure. Mr. Postman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid playing Mr. Postman, playing oh. Post Office. Oh, Post Office. When I was a kid. Sure. You know, when I was like, you know, 60. 
<laughs> post office. Oh, was Maybe it? you could get a job at the post office. They could use some help over there. I bet there. they could. In the town I live in, mm-hmm. they need help at that post office. And you There's might be just the one. Very long line there. <laughs> and it does not move quickly. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right, thanks, Lisa. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, Lisa, James Stewart stars as slow-talking maverick Britt Ponsett on The Six Shooter. We'll also uh, need a caller for Name That Tune. That's right. Where are my Neil Diamond fans? If you are a fan of Neil Diamond, you want to play Name That Tune, you can give us a call at 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number nine. Call and play the game. We'll see you soon. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.